If your faith experience truly changed your life, how could you not share it with others? This is the unique and personal story of my conversion, the faith experience God used to help me to change the focus and therefore the direction of my life. On March 19, 2014, I had a near-death experience while in the hospital for open-heart surgery. It was at this time that Christ disclosed, revealed his remarkable and extraordinary income in insight into our current times. So how would I describe what it was like when I was in the presence of Christ? His voice was crystal clear with perfect pitch and so soothing to listen to. You could understand him completely. <laughs> the manner in which he spoke was slow, yet deliberate, with his words of wisdom, knowledge, and his divine truth. He spoke directly to me. He knew who I was, called me by my first name. Wow, I couldn't help but wonder, why did he choose me to speak directly to? It was a truly humbling experience. It was unreal to be in the presence of the great I am. His words and his spirit touched me to the core of my soul, to the very marrow of my bones. I could feel his words. When Christ asked me a question, he allowed me to answer of my own free will. His overwhelming and unconditional love completely enveloped me. His entire being is love. I never wanted to leave the intimacy of the Lord again. I was overwhelmed with peace, joy, and happiness while being in complete harmony with Christ. I felt no fear, no worry, no anger, no doubt, no pain, and no suffering. Any fear of death I had, I lost completely. I was a new creation in Christ just as the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He made me feel more alive than I ever had before. I now believe that the soul does live on forever. So what were the events that actually led up to the event encounter that I had with Christ? It really goes back to the fall of 2013 when I developed bronchitis three separate times and never fully recovered. Then in December, my feet started to become more and more swollen. I was concerned but put off doing anything about it. It must be a guy thing. <laughs> then on Friday night, sometime in the middle of January 2014, my wife Kathy saw my feet and sensed that something was wrong. After having my sister-in-law Pam, who was a registered nurse, and my sister-in-law Chantel, who was a nurse practitioner, look at my feet. Both strongly encouraged us to see a doctor right away. So that following Monday, we took their advice and went down to Mercy Medical Center right away to have an echocardiogram. While looking at my heart during this test, the nurse stated that she could see I had a virus in my heart that had drastically weakened it revealing ejection fraction of only 24. An ejection fraction, or EF in basic terms, is a general assessment of a person's cardiac function. A healthy heart has an EF of 60. 
and at 18 or lower, I was told a heart transplant would be necessary. Had an EF of 24, my heart was pretty sick. The echo nurse suggested we meet with my cardiologist right away to see if he would give us the directive then to be admitted into the hospital. It was this doctor who gave us the option to start our treatment at home or be admitted into the hospital to reduce the swelling in my feet and also my legs. I chose to be admitted into the hospital as soon as possible. After almost a week in the hospital and nearly 40 pounds lighter, some diet, my cardiologist ordered a heart catheterization to see if there was anything wrong that was causing the weakening of my heart's function. This test revealed that I had not one, but two 100% blocked arteries, and another one that was 60% blocked. My doctor said, and I'll quote, an operation for you is out of the question right now. We might not get the desired outcome we are hoping for. With what I see, he should have died any time over the last five to 10 years. I guess the Lord had a plan for my life, his plan and his will for my life. I suppose if he can raise Lazarus from the dead after four days, what's so hard about living with a, living with a few 100% blocked arteries? My wife, who is a nutritionist, and I decided it would be a good time, perfect time to empty our house of any foods that did not recommend our dietitian for a heart-healthy diet. We went through our entire pantry, our refrigerator, our cabinets, removing anything that contained amounts of fat and sodium that exceeded the guidelines a dietitian from the hospital had given us. About a month or so later, I had a pre-op physical scheduled for my cardiologist. From this, he determined that my heart was finally strong enough to undergo bypass surgery. On the morning of Friday, March 14, 2014, Kathy and I headed to St. Luke's Hospital. After being prepped for surgery, and just before they were gonna take me to the operating room, out of fear and hopelessness, I made two prayer requests to God. First, if it be your will, Lord, I would like to spend more time with my wife, Kathy. Second, if it be your will, Lord, I will work to honor and glorify your name. Now, I'll let you know how those prayer requests turn out in a little bit. <laughs> I'd like to take you all now back to the early morning of Wednesday, March 19th, five days following my surgery. It's 12.05 a.m., and I'm sound asleep in a minute here in my hospital bed. Imagine, if you will, being awakened in the middle of the night. I guess the babies do that. <laughs> Seeing your hospital room go from dark to light and being away from your body, or as the author Plato once wrote, withdrawing from your body and looking down upon yourself. in me as your Lord and Savior. Yes, Jesus, I do. 
Greg, I love all of my people very much, but too many of my people are dying prematurely and before their time from obesity. Greg, will you please help all of my people? Yes, Jesus. Wait. Greg? Do you want me to take on large companies? No. I think he, I think he just wants us all to eat, right? Yes, Jesus, I will help your people. Greg, I love all my people very much. But there are many national and multinational companies that are contributing to the premature death and gluttony of my people. Will you please help all of my people? Yes, Jesus. I will help your people. I think the Lord just wants us all to eat right. None of us should have to die prematurely. Yes, Lord, I will help all of your people. I love all of my families very much, but my beloved families are falling apart. They do not attend church together. Children no longer attend mass with their parents. There are too many single parent families. Too many of my beloved children are being born out of wedlock, and too many of my children are not even allowed to be born. Will you please help all of my families? Yes, Jesus, I will. Greg, people will want to pay you for the messages I have shared with you today. But you are not to profit from them. Yes, Jesus, I agree. Greg, all of my beloved families should have a mission statement to serve and honor me. My little ones should have one as well. Yes, Jesus, I agree. Time is up.
12:29. Lord, Lord, don't go. Please don't go. Now how am I ever going to tell my wife about this? While contemplating how I was going to tell Kathy, I thought, how should I say this? I was born again, I surrendered my life to Christ, or I asked Christ into my life tonight. Kathy, will you please come here? She was in the hospital bed next to me. I woke up hearing Greg call me as I slept in the bed next to his. Very unlike me, as it is nearly impossible to get me out of bed when I'm sound asleep, I immediately got up and looked at the clock. It was 12.29 a.m. I then walked to the left side of Greg's bed since the right side was cluttered with the many machines that were monitoring his vitals. After arriving at Greg's left bedside, I went to hold his left hand, but did so carefully. You see, during surgery, the entire radial artery from his left forearm had been removed to be used for two of the arterial grafts in his heart. Because of this, his arm was extremely tender, and even grabbing his hand would have caused him a lot of pain. It was so strange. Instead of crying out in pain, he grasped my hand even tighter, so tight that my hand started to fall asleep. I remember feeling so distracted by this and finally had to ask him, Greg, can you not hold my hand so tight? It is turning numb. <laughs> After he lightened up on the hold of my hand, I looked into his eyes. They reflected so much excitement like he was bursting to tell me something. He is, with tears in his eyes, he quickly blurted out, I asked Christ in my life tonight. He had an expression of complete relief and joy on his face after saying this. It was surreal. He seemed different, so animated as he talked, not his usual calm demeanor. As I tried to comprehend what he had just expressed to me, I remember thinking, did he just say what I think he said? This had been a prayer of mine for such a long time, so for a minute, I had to let it sink in. It sort of felt like I was in a dream. He shared that he had been awakened from a deep sleep, after which his eyes were directed to the wall, to the clock on the wall at the foot of his bed. It read 12.05 a.m. Greg said, the room went from dark to light, after which I realized I was looking down at my body. It was then that I heard this voice, and I knew ex right away who it was. It was Jesus. He started talking to me by asking, Greg, do you believe in me as your Lord and Savior? 
I answered him, yes, Jesus, I do, three different times, as I wanted to make sure he heard my answer. Greg said that Jesus continued on by expressing his concern for the obesity of his people and the increasing breakup of his beloved families. He finished detailing these and then shared other concerns Christ had expressed to him. It was after telling me all of this that I finally realized the divinity of the moments Greg had just had with Christ. At some time during the conversation, I remembered thinking back to the previous November when I was on a trip to the Holy Land with my mom, my two sisters, and my brother. It was there among the innumerable pieces of paper that I placed a paper prayer request into one of the many cracks in the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. It said, I pray that Greg will come to know and love Christ as I have. I so wanted him to experience the peace that I have in knowing that we are loved unconditionally by our Creator, and thus we are never alone. I will never doubt the power of prayer again. At some point while Greg was sharing his encounter, he became frustrated and stopped speaking abruptly and said, how many times did I have to get beat over the head to come to believe in Christ and let him direct my life. Greg told me that it was 1229 when Christ stopped speaking to him, the exact time I had looked at the clock when he woke me up. If you've been keeping track tonight, that's three prayer requests and three answered prayers. One, that I get to spend more time with my wife, Kathy. Two, that I will work to honor and glorify Christ's name. And three, my wife's prayer request at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, that I would come to know Christ as she had. So that's three prayer requests and three answered prayers. I truly believe that when prayer goes up, miracles do come down. When prayer becomes your habit, miracles become your friend. I, too, will never doubt the power of prayer again. (laughs) Just imagine, look at all of us crazy Cub fans (laughs) who continued to pray for the last 108 years. Proof that persistency does pay off. Last year, we Cub fans got our miracle And three years ago, I got mine. We must never forget that God is on call 24-7 and always hears our prayers, though spoken and unspoken. He has been available to all of us since the beginning of time. I guess the Lord's calling right now. (laughs) So, how would I describe my faith life before my near-death experience? I was one-seventh Catholic. I just went to church each Sunday. Let me repeat that. I just went to church each Sunday, period. I never chose to speak or to pray to the Lord the other six days of the week. I was just a Christian up to the chin. I never spoke of him in my everyday life and never in public. 
While in church, I was just there in body, but not in soul or spirit. And my soul never made it through those glorious glass doors. And I never made the choice to accept Christ into my life, or did I take the time to read his inspired words in the Bible. I was a 58-minute Catholic. I came late and was eager to leave early, and I did not keep the rest of Sunday holy or treat it as a day of rest. Sadly, I had not been to reconciliation in decades to repent of my sins, even though I did have a few mortal sins on my soul. I was in great need of God's grace, forgiveness, and mercy. You could put it another way. I was in desperate need of a major spiritual car wash, and much more than the $3 do-it-yourself kind. The problem was I only had $3 worth of faith, which was not enough faith to change my soul, not enough to let God take control of my life or surrender it to him, just enough to ease some of the pain and some of the guilt I had on my mind and cleanse some of the sins off of my soul, not enough to make me love others before myself or enough faith to change my heart. I didn't want spiritual ecstasy, and I certainly didn't want any spiritual transformation. All I wanted was a thimble full of faith. I didn't want spiritual rebirth or any conversion experience. I wanted some to hide for use on a rainy day just in case I needed it right away. I didn't want people to see a change in me. I didn't want any spiritual responsibilities imposed upon me. I just wanted enough faith to make my church community think I was okay, and just enough to use once a week on Sundays, but not the other six days of the week. Even though I only had $3 worth of faith, there were three defining life events that did help to shape my life. My mother, Joanne, battled acute mental illness for 40 years with multiple hospitalizations, counseling, and daily drug therapies. This all started after her dad died in a farm accident. I was only 10 years old. Since I was the oldest child in my family, I felt it was my responsibility to help care for my mother, especially when my father was out of town on business, which happened frequently. My father, Carol, died at age 55 of a massive heart attack while I was in my late 20s. I was so angry at God for taking him and not letting me even say goodbye, and then leaving me with all my family's financial or my mother's medical responsibilities and decisions. My only sister, Kathy, while driving home on October 4th, 2012, was hit broadside by someone who ran a stop sign while traveling 45 miles per hour. My sister spent approximately two months 
in and out of intensive care at the University of Iowa hospitals before being moved to palliative care where she died. I remember thinking, how could something so horrible happen to someone who was so sweet, caring, and compassionate, and who always loved others before herself? Through these three life-defining events, I learned many valuable lessons. My mother's illness taught me compassion, kindness, and the importance of taking time to visit the sick and the homebound. It taught me how fragile the human mind really is and to never, ever give up on those with mental illness, never. My father's death, when I was in my 20s, caused me to take responsibility for others besides myself, which included my mother, brother, my grandmother Mary, who was in her 80s. I really had to grow up overnight, whether I wanted to or not. My sister's accident and death taught me the value of family, love, loyalty, and most importantly, forgiveness. After much soul searching, and most definitely with God's help, I have completely forgiven the person who caused my sister's death. This is what my sister would want, but most importantly, it is what God wants for us to love all of his people no matter what. Forgiveness is the key to our spiritual growth and development as a Christian. It unlocks the many doors of, to our Lord's love and many blessings. Since this inspiring encounter in Greg's life, I have seen him change in ways that could only have happened with the grace of God. For grace simply means God to us, any way he chooses to come to us. Greg spends endless hours studying God's word in the Bible and is fascinated by what he learns. Prior to his encounter, this would have been of no interest to him. Since his encounter, Greg started and has continued attending many Bible studies, one bi-monthly on Tuesday nights with an ecumenical group of Christians, one weekly on Thursday afternoons at St. Ludamilla's and in the evening at St. Matthew's, one on Sunday night at Immaculate Conception, and a monthly Saturday morning Franciscan study at All Saints. He reads so many books that our house has turned into somewhat of a small Christian library. <clears throat> For most of his life, since the age of 10, Greg played, um, Greg played and watched anything golf 24-7. Now when asked if he is going golfing, he tells me, I have more important things to do with my time. Now we attend many church functions together, which for the most part, are initiated by Greg. Before, he would have just told me, why don't you go with your mom or one of your sisters? This past year, we assisted with the RCAA program here at St. Elizabeth's. We met many people who were hungry for a relationship with Christ. 
We certainly got so much more from this than we could have possibly ever given. Since Greg's encounter, we have attended Wine and Wisdom at St. Pius and at St. Elizabeth's. For the majority and the majority of the CEO Catholic Evangelization Outreach events. Greg attended Men's CEW Christian Experience Weekend earlier this year, which had a profound effect on him and is where he made many new Christian friends. He said after attending it, everyone needs to go to a CEW. We highly recommend you attend one of these weekends yourself. It will be a life-changing experience you will never forget. Incidentally, CEW is open to all denominations. Anyone who wants to grow in their relationship to Jesus Christ is welcome to come and attend one of these weekends. Greg is a member of Men of Action here at St. Elizabeth's, which meets every Tuesday morning. He volunteers every Friday during lunch at the Mission of Hope and is a member of Serve the City a local Christian organization with 127 members that serves our com community. He's a member of the International Association of Near-Death Studies in Chicago, which meets monthly. Weekly, he attends Adoration at St. Patrick's and goes to Reconciliation at least monthly. In addition, this year we are assisting with Alpha here at St. Elizabeth's. Alpha is a series of interactive sessions that freely explores the basics of the Christian faith. Let me clarify here. I do not tell you all of this to boast, only so you can understand how completely Christ has changed Greg's life. Christ gives to us the peace the world cannot give. Finally, I would like to comment on the profound effect Greg's transformation has had on my faith. When you see the person you love struggle and fight so much against God's will for his life, and then surrender and submit and obey so quickly, there is no other explanation for it except that it is God's grace and mercy. I'd like to take just a minute to uh, thank a few of the people who made tonight possible. First, and most importantly, Christ, for my new gift of faith. Kathy, thank you for always believing in me and praying for me. I do love you very much. Gary Smith, your help in editing my remarks for tonight's talk were so insightful. I feel so fortunate to have met you at a CEW earlier this year and call you a friend who's even praying for me in our chapel tonight. John Waldorf, who was the voice of Christ tonight. <laughs> now, he might not be able to walk on water, but he is a very strong man of deep faith who has a very deep voice. <laughs> Thanks for your support, John. And Connie May, she couldn't be with us. She got a little sick, but I thank her so much for being a remarkable Bible study teacher and friend. She helped, has helped me so much to deeply understand God's word, and I thank her. As you can see, Bible study has now become a very important part of my life. 
It was during the first session of the first Bible study I had ever attended that a young man named Ernesto from Immaculate Conception Church here in Cedar Rapids made a statement that affected me greatly then and continues to do so to this day. He said, you cannot expect to get full-time benefits if you're only willing to do part-time work. Wow, what amazing insight. This statement made me realize that study and prayer go hand in hand and are both essential elements for the Christian life. So what did Christ's encounter teach me? Regarding my purpose in life, I finally came to realize what that was, to serve Christ and to love others, just as the Bible tells us in 1 John 4:16. God is love. The Bible in just three words. To love God means we must serve others and live the example our Lord gave us while he was here on earth regarding how I should treat my body. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. I learned that I need to take my body seriously because it belongs to God. And that full responsibility also goes to what I eat, what I drink, and how I treat my temple. My health is my wealth. Without my health, I will have to spend my wealth. Yes, my health is my wealth. Without my health, I will have to spend my wealth. Regarding the breakup of the families, I see what the Lord said, that the family unit as created by God has been falling apart. According to a Pew Research Center poll taken in 2014, fewer than half, 46% of U.S. children under 18 years of age are living in a home with two married parents in their first marriage. That's 46%. And in 1980, this number was 61%. And in 1960, it was 73%. Regarding abortion, when Christ spoke of abortion specifically, I could feel the profound sadness in his voice when he said, too many of my children are not even allowed to be born. The worldwide number of abortions from 1973 to present is estimated to be more than 1.72 billion with a B yearly. There are twice as many deaths that are due to abortion that are caused by heart disease. And worldwide, an abortion occurs every 1.8 seconds. Since there are 86,400 seconds in each day, sadly, 
48,000 babies lost their life today. Regarding reconciliation, currently only 12% of Catholics choose to go to reconciliation on an annual basis. Therefore, 88% are missing out on the amazing grace and mercy of this sacrament. Making the commitment to go to reconciliation on a monthly basis has helped me to understand how crucial this sacrament really is. It is one of the true gifts of the Catholic Church. I'd like to share with you a short story about my first reconciliation I had in 40 years. Approximately a month after being released from the hospital after my bypass surgery, I developed a severe case of pneumonia, which required me to be admitted back into the hospital. Because, now, while there, when I was in the hospital, I was visited every day by Mercy Medical Center's Catholic chaplain, Father Birch, who I had come to know and trusted from my previous day at the hospital. We shared a lot of the same heart issues, and I felt he understood me. I was comfortable telling him about all of the mortal sins that had been on my soul for such a long time. They were like a noose around my neck, and of course, a heavy burden placed upon my soul. After this reconciliation, I felt Christ's presence and forgiveness. My burden was lifted. I was filled with joy, happiness, and a newfound love of the Lord. Regarding the creation of, the of a family mission statement, as Christ stated, and I concur, a family mission statement is vital to staying focused on our earthly mission to serve the Lord. Kathy and I have created our own mission statement. We will have it available after this talk if you would like to see it for help in creating your own. My prayer now, since Christ encountered with me, is that my talk will bring about the continued desire in all of us to know Christ and to serve him. In the book of Acts 1.8, just before Christ ascended into heaven, with his final words on earth, he said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And tonight, in Hiawatha, and in Marion, and in Cedar Rapids. Let us all be bold and be a witness for Christ. Let us not be afraid to speak for him here on earth because he stands ready to speak for us in heaven. I'd like to leave you with one final story. One Saturday evening, two weeks after my bypass surgery, I was finally able to attend church here to thank the Lord for my new gift of faith. Our pastor, Father Mark, typically ends his homilies with a question, something for us to contemplate after we leave. At the end of this particular homily, he asked us an extremely thought-provoking question. Are you a giver or are you a taker? 
I thought to myself, am I a giver or am I a taker? With tears running down my face, I realized that I had been a taker for most of my life. I took God for granted. I took my eternal salvation for granted. I took my loved ones for granted. I never offered my time, my talent, or my treasure to my church community. But with the gift of God's grace and mercy, I was blessed with the opportunity to make the spiritual decision that would start me on my journey to serve him, to love him, and desire to live the life he intended me to have. The desire to put him first, giving me the ability to put others first. I have learned that he, and only he, should be our first option and not our last resort. We are all just one spiritual decision, prayer or reconciliation away from a totally different life. As St. Paul said in his final words to the Ephesian church leaders in the book of Acts, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Christ gave his divine messages to me. I have now given them to you. So, what about us? Are we ready to pray to God? Are we ready to learn about God? And are we ready to share our love of the Lord with all those we meet? On behalf of my wife and I, thank you very much for attending tonight.